The 2020-2021 World Famous FFPC Playoff Challenge is back. Launched in 2003, the World Famous FFPC Playoff Challenge is entering its 18th year and is the largest and most exciting playoff contest in all of season-long fantasy football. Now, with a record-shattering $500,000 grand prize and close to $1.1 million in total guaranteed prizes, no draft, no salary cap, no convoluted rules. Just pick 12 players and let them ride to the Super Bowl. With a $200 entry fee and a chance to win a half a million, now this is the way to watch playoff football. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm conversing with Mike Edelman, a high stakes fantasy football player for more than 15 years, who's won league titles in auctions, best balls, and Football Guys Players Championships. After his fourth place overall finish in this year's FFPC main event, his career high-stakes fantasy football winnings totaled well over $300,000. You can follow him on Twitter at Edelman24. In this episode, we look at his successful four running back start in the FFPC main event this past season, how high drafters will or should push Travis Kelsey up their 2021 boards, and who a few of his targets and fades will be in the 2020-2021 world-famous FFPC playoff challenge. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Now, without further ado, here is $300,000 high-stakes fantasy football winner, Mike Edelman. A big, big week here uh, at the at the FFPC as the world-famous playoff challenge kicking off with the NFL playoffs, the first ever triple header 
uh, back-to-back days for the opening weekend of the playoffs, both Saturday and Sunday. And what better way to kick things off than uh, one of the, well, the most accomplished high-stakes fantasy football players out there, a guy who's uh, tallied um, well over $300,000 in, in winnings uh, in his career playing. It's Mike Edelman. Mike, welcome on to the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me, Eric. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, you've had uh, you, you've had um, quite the career, um, you know, playing in a ton of high stakes spaces, and and I specifically want to talk about your march to the uh, to the main that's nearly the top, the very top of the main event leaderboard this this year. Um, you had a team, I think I think it was in between. I, I forgot when I when I looked at it, but it was between a hundred and two hundredth going into the championship round in in week fourteen. Um, put up a good score in week fourteen. Put up mm-hmm. another good score in week 15. You're climbing up the, the leaderboards. Um, you had a massive 231.7 in, in week 16. That got you all the way up to fourth place overall. So I'm just kind of curious. You you, you kind of knew the situation going into the, the, the Bills game on Monday Night Football. You knew you had Josh Allen going. You knew you had Stephon Diggs going. Um, you, you knew that you, you, know, you probably couldn't win the half million. But how realistic did you think – climbing all the way up to fourth place was as you're watching those guys just put up oodles of fantasy points. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was pretty crazy. That whole, the whole week actually starting with fr- you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And uh, no, I, I knew I couldn't win. I think I was b- before the Monday game started. I was like, I think I was 29th actually. I was in 29th, mm-hmm. um, but I had gone through and looked at the rosters ahead of me and I, it was going to be pretty easy. I thought to get into the top 10, but I didn't think I, I thought the highest I could get, and it would have to have been like a massive performance, which it, it was. I thought six was the highest I could get, so fourth, getting the fourth was was definitely a shock. I didn't think I'd get that high, but uh, top ten is what I was shooting for, and uh, but everything else on top was gravy at that point. Yeah, yeah, um, it, you know, and and it's one of those things too, where it's just like you know, you you um, you, you expect well i mean you set a goal and you hope you exceed it and then you exceeded it more um with it was just insane i wasn't in this situation in any of my leagues where um i i either reaped the rewards of allen and Diggs or it cost me with allen right. and Diggs. but i can't imagine just watching that game go back and you know and it just you know he never dropped a pass and he's catching all these touchdowns it was crazy it's one of the you know, I think week 16 in 2020, when we look back on it, the, uh, you know, several years from now, we're going to remember the Allen and Diggs thing from Monday night. We're going to yep. obviously remember the Camara thing uh, on Friday, which which was absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot, you know, even go, even the Tampa game, the first half of the Tampa game. Yeah, was pretty crazy, too. I mean, just it just it was a bonanza of points. We saw a lot of big scores. Congrats on that two thirty one point seven, and then that twenty thousand dollars you banked for taking uh, fourth. Let's talk a little bit about how you built this team. I know it it took place, you know, four months ago or whatever it was now, but four straight running backs to to mm-hmm. start off this draft. You get Kamara in the first round. You get Aaron Jones in the second. That was actually a really popular pairing um, for a good chunk of the regular season. Um, you saw a lot of teams at the top of the main event leaderboard who started off Kamara Jones. Um, you were one of them. And then you get Jonathan Taylor, who went crazy bonkers in week 16 or week 17. Excuse me. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. And then Todd Gurley in the fourth round, which say what you will about Gurley. But that dude was pretty effective the first half of the season. I'm I'm just curious how often in, in your in your playing career and in, in high stakes, 
How often have you started a draft with four running backs? How popular of a start is that for you, Mike? Uh, I don't think I ever did it before. I think this might have been the first time, uh, if not the first, the second. I mean, it's, it's definitely not something that I usually set out to do. Um, typically, I, I like to draft more receivers, you know, if I had the choice. Um, it, it just was something that the draft gave me. Um, you know, Kamara Jones, like you said, it was a popular star. I was good there. You know, at that point in time, I'm trying to do stuff that's going to differentiate the team a little bit. Um, just trying to figure out how, how what, what can I do to, to win? Um, that's where the Jonathan Taylor pick came from. But Gurley, you know, I got I had gotten sniped like, you know, I went back and looked at the board and I, and I can remember this because it was my first main event draft that I did uh, on the season. You know, it got sniped two picks right in front of me with Ridley and Thielen. And just looking at the draft, I said, you know what? I don't I actually I, I don't even have any other girly. And I just decided, let me do this. You know, let me let me go four backs. And the, the receiver depth I thought was good enough. Um, and, yeah, like you said, you know, Gurley didn't win anything for me, um, but he definitely contributed throughout the year, uh, at least for the first part of the season and helped kind of get me up there to get into the championship round. Yeah, they don't always have to be home runs. You know, you're, you're talking about, um, Mike here, a team that you had that beat out, you know, 2,000 plus other teams. And, you know, you didn't have a home run in the fourth round. You had, you know, maybe a, 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 a double, uh, essentially, is what Gurley was, you know, for the first eight weeks. Hey, he was pretty good. And then I don't know what it was. And maybe we'll, we'll find out more in the offseason. I don't know if his knee was acting up, if Atlanta was trying to preserve him th- throughout the season. It's weird because it's a, I believe it was a one year deal yep. and they weren't going anywhere. You know, so what, what, what are you doing? I mean, his, his knee really had to be bothering him. And I think it drafts next year that we're going to really see his stock crater. Oh, I don't even know if he'll be in the NFL next year. To be That's honest. a good point, too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, yeah, and 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 well, and for, you know, we'll get into dynasty drafts here on this show uh, over the next couple of months. Maybe Atlanta's a, a pretty desirable uh, landing spot for um, for uh, a, a running back, especially depending upon who they hire as a head coach, so on and so forth. Let's talk about two of probably the two top running backs in in dynasty drafts last year: Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins. Taylor goes crazy town banana pants here with 253 yards in Week 17. J.K. Dobbins. 160 yards, two touchdowns as well. So obviously we're going to see more of these guys in the playoffs, Mike, but what do you think um, after their performances in week 17, what do you think that does to their draft stock next year? Are they both first round picks? Do, do, do either of them slip to the second? How do you see these guys being selected? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it, it's kind of a little, little disappointing for me on two ends with this, the week with the performances that have come up one, you know, one, if Taylor could have done that one week sooner, you know, I, I might have won the whole thing. And then two, I like these guys, Taylor and Dobbins, and it's just killing their their draft value for next year. You know, Taylor for Taylor for sure, uh, I think is going to be a first round pick now uh, with what he's done. You know, he's set up in a good situation. Uh, the quarterback situation might only get better for him next year. You know, depending on what they do in Indy, uh, for sure he's a first rounder. Dobbins, though, while I think he has the he has the talent and if you just watch the games you can just see he's so much better than everyone else um he could be the best player in fantasy but that team just won't allow it in my view if you look at his game logs every single game you see the same thing 
13 carries, 14 carries, one catch. I mean, that's not going to get it done. That's not first. That's not a first round pick for me. Um, you know, I think he'll be great in the in the touches he gets. But unless something changes there with Lamar being there and the way that coaching staff handles the running backs, I could see him settling in the mid to late second round. I mean, that's where I would consider him. But I, there's no chance I would consider him in the first round unless something drastically changes uh, in that running back room there. So for for the purposes of this next question here, let's just assume Taylor goes in, eh, say the mid to late first round. Let's assume Dobbins goes somewhere in the second round. Like let's say mid second round. Yep. Um, those spots would not be too rich for your blood to take them there. That's that's where sort of you would look at them, and any higher you you'd ignore them. Yeah, I mean for yeah Taylor Taylor for sure. I think. Uh, I think I'd, I'd be fine um, taking him there as long as they don't bring, you know, if it's just him and Naheem Hines next year, I'm, I'm fine with it. But if they bring in someone else that might change my mind on Taylor, but yeah, for Dobbins, you know, I, you know, I have to kind of look at it a little bit more, but yeah, I, I'm not taking, I'm probably not taking Dobbins to be honest with you in the, even in the mid second, um, there's probably too many other guys that I would take over him. It would, he would have, he would probably have to slip to the end of the set, like at the two, three turn, for me to really think about taking him, um, I, you know, 13, 14 carries, it's not enough for me um, to, to go there. It's too rich. Yeah. I mean, volume is king in the, in the first few rounds too. And and that, I mean, you know, the other thing is too, we, we assume Mark Ingram is probably going to be gone. Okay. Well that's fine, but you know, Baltimore could bring in somebody else. Um, yeah. Gus Edwards, I believe is still going to be there. It could be still another three headed attack there next year. Yeah, I mean, even even if it is just a two-headed attack with Dobbins and Gus Edwards, I mean, we've basically seen that the last month, right? And, and it's been a it not it's been like a sixty forty split, but it, it's 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 very eerie if you look at Dobbins' game logs. Every single one is like thirteen carries, thirteen carries, thirteen carries. They just don't want to give them more, and maybe they'll open it up in the future, but uh, I, I don't have my hopes up for that. Um, you also, in addition to finishing fourth place in, in the uh, FFPC main event this year, you also finished 24th in the Football Guys Players Championship. That uh, competition, for anybody who's not familiar, that almost had 11,000 teams in here. So certainly a very successful finish for you in both competitions this year, Mike. Um, Alvin Kamara was on both of these teams um, that, you, you know, your first round pick. I, I You know, I saw, and I'll let you kind of answer this question. I think mm -hmm. I know how you're going to answer it, but I saw what happened in the drafts. How much was Kamara a target of yours just in general this past season in 2020? And how good of a case can you make for him being the 101 in 2021? Uh, so to answer the first part of the question, I mean, he wasn't necessarily a target for me. Um, you know, in the, in, the F, in the FPC draft, I mean, I took him at four, which is, you know, at that time, that, you know, that was pretty much the consensus pick there. Uh, in my main event draft, I actually took him at six, and and I can remember, you know, that that draft took place pretty much the day after he left camp, and and he started, oh yeah, and he started to slide, which is pretty much the only reason I have him on that team, and I almost <laughs> didn't take him. I can remember like running the clock, thinking should I take Kamara or should I take Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Thank God I took Kamara. Oh my goodness, how, yeah. how this sort of ended up so know, differently for you. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong with Kamara. I mean, you know, I, you know, I wasn't looking for him. I, I kind of was trying to diversify the top backs a little bit just to making sure with COVID, not knowing what was going to happen. I wanted to have a little bit of each guy and not overload myself. But uh, uh, in, in terms of like the 101 and 21, 
you know, no, that's, there's no way for me. I mean, McCaffrey's the one that, you know, I, I don't see any, any chance of unseating him from that. I mean, he, even in the games he played this year, he averaged over 30 points a game. And then I think even the bigger question regarding Kamara is who's his quarterback going to be next year. Right. Yeah. You, know, you, you just saw what happened with Taysom Hill. Uh, a couple, you know, he was barely a, a running back one in those games. So he could be a uh, he could be the second overall pick for me if he gets someone in there that's not Taysom Hill, but if it's Taysom Hill, I don't know. I mean, he's still a first rounder, but I, I'm not sure where I would pick him. I have to think about that a little more. McCaffrey's still the 101 for you? Absolutely, no questions. Definitely the 101. So and okay, so now I'm just to push back on this. Now, number one, I'll just let you know right now that if I was drafting and I had the first pick, I'd be taking McCaffrey as well. But the 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 rebuttal to that is okay well you know a lot of people said you know for the last couple of years with this heavy workload that McCaffrey had uh, he he just his body cannot take it he would start breaking down and we saw him get hurt early we saw him come back get hurt again try to get back and never get, uh, came back why do you think that that is not a big enough concern for you to not take him at the 101 in 2021 I mean, it, it is a concern. I mean, it's it's a concern with all these running backs, to be honest with you. Look look at all the top guys, McCaffrey, uh, Derrick Henry now with his workload, Kamara, Cook is always hurt, Barkley's hurt, Zeke was hurt. They're all oh, There's risk with all of them. Um, to be honest, I don't know what happened with McCaffrey this year. I, I, I feel like he bulked up too much. So hopefully, you know, they're smart with him and the trainers get him to kind of take some of that muscle off because I think that's what did it because – he, you know, all the strains and everything. I saw somewhere someone quoted and saying like he he turned into like David Boston like overnight. Oh never, yeah, which is never a good thing. So you know, hopefully he fixes that. But no, there's questions with all of them, and he, his talent is just far far superior than the other guys. And and the system they're willing to throw him the ball. I think that's key. And I'll take my chances with him for sure. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about, um, a guy, you know, I, I, it's weird. We've been talking about all these like first, um, you know, second, third round picks this year. And now I'm going to ask you about Chris Herndon. Uh, this is, <laughs> this is a guy that, you know, he's been a, a darling during draft season the last couple of years and uh, maybe last year more so than this past year. But, um, you had him on both these teams, the, the fourth place and the 24th place team, uh, in and pan out again, but you know, looking forward with the jets, they're going to have a new coach. They may or may not have a new quarterback. My guess is they probably do. Um, and he's going to be in a contract year next season for New York. So is there still something there for FFPC drafters who are, you know, selecting players in a tight end premium format? Yeah, I mean, there, there's always a chance, um, you know, especially getting getting away from Adam Gaze. I think we've seen with other players, uh, they've all of a sudden become superstars when he leaves. Um, I don't know, though. I mean. Sure. Like in, you know, I, I wasn't picking him like in an area where I was, I was, you know, you know, you're talking like 11th, 12th rounds. And, you know, I had a group of tight ends that I was trying to pick from and I just happened to land on him in these two drafts um, in the same spot next year. Would I consider him? Possibly. I, I guess, you know, I have to see what happens. Uh, I don't see myself like leaning. I mean, it's two years in a row now where he's kind of just, you know, not lived up to the hype. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to reach for him. That's for sure. Uh, you know, there's a lot of those in that range of tight ends where there's similar type guys with maybe a little more upside, but 
anything's possible. Um, Travis Kelsey going to be a popular pick in the world famous playoff challenge uh, coming up here this, uh, this weekend. He was the best tight end all season long, almost had the, he almost had the receiving yardage, uh, not record, but the, the, the receiving yardage title this season um, fell short in that because he didn't play in, in week 17. He was already a first round pick in the FFPC. How much higher um, can FFPC drafters push him up in drafts, given the the rest of the tight ends and and sort of how the majority of them disappointed this year? Uh, and how much how much higher should he go in drafts? Yeah, I mean it's a good question. Um, like I, I think the amount of edge he gave this year was just it, I think it was more than what you got from McCaffrey last year on on like the next guy and. It's inc- it was incredible, and it was it was really painful for me because I I didn't have any Kelsey shares, so to watch him do that was just every time he would catch a pass, you know there was very few guys I was like rooting like fading in, in like the overall competition. He was one of them, um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, he's already a first rounder. I mean, I think he'll settle in probably in the middle of the first round, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the top three. I mean, the numbers say he should. Um, you know, he is getting older, which would be my kind of only hesitation with it. You just, you know, with, with that position, he's been healthy the last few years. Um, but you know, I can remember even when, with Gronk, you know, and Jimmy Graham, they would have those big years. And then the next year after they get, they would miss, miss time or get hurt. So it's, I I probably won't be doing it. I'm not one who tends to take the, the top tight end, as you can see from, from my drafts. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't argue against it if someone told you know I, you know I, I see the point. I mean, he's definitely worth it in my eyes to go in, in the middle of the first round with w- what he produces. Let me ask you this. Um, I, let's say the reports on Saquon Barkley are good in the offseason and and you know maybe he's not all the way back to start the year, but you know they, they expect you know late September he'll he'll be going M- maybe even mid-September. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you draft first? Not first overall, but if if you know if, if you're considering Barkley and Kelsey, who who would you select before the other guy next year if it's between those two players? Yeah, I think that that's that's a that's a good question. Uh, I th- and I know I think- and I know I have to I had to set up the caveat with the injury thing because quite frankly I'm concerned about Barkley's knee. Yeah. Um, but if it goes swimmingly and it's it seems like it's okay and people are letting him slip, then how far do you let him slip, especially when Kelsey's still out there? Yeah. I mean, and, I, and I'm a I'm a giant fan, so... Right. It, it, sort of why know, I wanted to ask yeah, you this yeah. question. <laughs> um, you know, I, honestly, I think I, I think I would take Kelsey. You know, only because, you know, Bar- I love Barkley, but, like, he really has underperformed when he's been on the field the last couple of years. I, I still think he has it there, and I think the team's ready. Like, I'm hoping next year's the year. I like Barkley more towards the end of the first round, and I think Kelsey's going to go before that. So, you know, I I still I need to see more on him. But if he's definitely going to miss a game or two, like in the in this situation, yeah, I can't take him over Kelsey. I don't think I could do that. Um, you you've had I mean clearly not just this year, Mike, but you've had a lot of success in in national tournaments like this uh, in in your career. I, I you know this is such a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it. What's the secret? What what's been your key um, that that you have you know had this success year after year? Um, and then uh, I guess maybe one of the secrets is 
avoiding mistakes uh, in drafts. Sometimes uh, that's the biggest thing. And you probably, you know, see a lot of uh, high stakes players continue to make uh, mistakes, whether it's drafting, whether it's on the waiver wire, whether it's lineup setting um, that, that keeps them from having um, success like you have had year after year. What, what do you think? Um, I, I guess the question is what are you doing right? And what do you see other people doing wrong? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's a, Every year is different, right? So I think the key and what a lot a, a lot of people or a lot of uh, people who don't play, you know, as much as I do, or, or they're more recreational players, but you know, trying to jump in kind of the Shark Tank if, per se, is they don't they they chase last year, right? What worked last year, they'll they'll ch- try and recreate that, and and that's just not the way to do it. I think you know every single year is different. I think you have to adapt and learn. Um, every draft within that given year is different. I mean, a perfect example of that is just look at my team in the main event that finished fourth and look at my FPC team that was 22nd. Totally different. You know, I started four running backs in one, and then the other one I start, had five wide receivers and two running backs in my first seven. So totally different constructions. You have to kind of work with what the draft is giving you. Don't I, I would say don't force things. Um, there's a time and a place in the second half of a draft if there's guys you want, like flyers that you believe in, force it. But the first half of the draft, let it come to you. I think that's uh, a big thing that, you know, you just don't see. Um, and, you know, in terms of, you know, what are some of the other things that I, I notice, you know, others not doing maybe correctly or doing wrong? Uh, you know, one is is just roster construction itself you know a lot of people can draft like a really good starting lineup and the team looks good and then they just almost like stop and they don't know what to do <laughs> they don't know what to do with the rest of their draft they'll start taking three quarterbacks or two defenses two kickers four tight ends i mean they're not building the the roster out fully the best way to to win um i mean that's the biggest thing you, you can just watch the draft board as you're going through a draft and just see like even me looking back now at some at, at like this main event draft, I see a couple teams that started out so good and then they just they just didn't finish it. Um, and then the other thing, as you, you know, you brought up is it's the fab management. Um, yeah, in, in season waivers, it's so important. And you know, even good players. I mean, I I talk to a lot of the other high stakes players, and you know, I'm friendly with and some of them great drafters. They understand the game. But they just refute like one of the key things is you have to churn like I feel I feel you have to constantly churn the bottom of your roster. You can't just sit on guys. And and and, and I dropped a lot of guys on, on my main event team. I was looking at it today. I hadn't looked at the draft board in a while. Like I dropped, you know, I mean John Brown was hurt, but John Brown, LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones, like they weren't producing. I just dropped them and I got other guys in there to help me. But you know, yeah, sure, at, at some point in time. For one week at the end, it might have been nice, you know, in weeks, you know, in week 17, Chenault blew up. I mean, he didn't do nothing. He didn't do anything for me all the weeks leading up to that. So what was the point of holding him? So I got someone else. I, you know, I ended up getting Jamal Williams. Let's just say to pick him up. Aaron Jones missed a couple of weeks and I plugged Jamal Williams in. So those are like little things. You, you can't just hold the bottom of your roster. A lot of people do that. And, you know, you could be costing yourself points, you know, as you go through the season, if you do that. 
Do you find yourself, this is something I, I, I kind of switched when it comes to like the last five or six picks of my draft. I used to, to draft um, guys that could be solid or should be solid or whatever. And um, I, I didn't like it because I was, I was hanging on to him too long. Cause I was like, Oh, I can plug him in on a buy. He's good for maybe nine or 10, 11 points, whatever. Uh, when I'm, when I'm hard hit by it now, those last, maybe not five or six rounds, maybe like last, well, yeah, the last five or six picks, excluding kicker or defense, I find myself going for home runs there, mm-hmm. um, and and trying to get guys that you know maybe they just need an opportunity, maybe that you know there's um, a, a chance that they could leapfrog somebody on the depth chart for week one, and we just don't know. Um, and I like doing that because then if it doesn't work out week one or two, they're gone, and I and then all of a sudden churning the bottom of your roster becomes a lot easier because you're not married to any of these guys. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with that. I mean, I I think especially at the earlier drafts, there's you know I, I tend to take a lot of uh, potential number two or number three running backs that could hit. You know, it, almost every one of my I mean, it didn't it didn't work out, but a perfect example is that every one of my drafts this year in like the nineteenth or twentieth round, I picked Mike Boone, and mm. I, I was able. You know, you didn't know what was going to happen with Cook. Everything was happening with him. You know, and, you know, he could get hurt again. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to pick Mike Boone. And if if Cook's healthy, I'll cut him in week after week and week one waivers. That's fine. You know, it was just taking a chance. He was the third string running back. You never know. So it's like those kind of things. And, and it, you know, I and I have James Robinson's another guy, right? Like that, that one worked. So, you know, for everyone that works, there's going to be three or four that don't work. So it's just, you know. Which, I, is, which is a good ratio, right? For that right. part of the draft, you know. Right. Right. I mean, my, my view is in the, and you know, it's, it's actually pretty crazy if you go back and look at like rounds 11 through 20 and a lot of these drafts, you know, excluding like the quarterbacks, you miss on so many of those guys. So if you can just hit if one guy, if you can get one guy in the bottom, in the second half of the draft that becomes a starter on your team, that is a win in my eyes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Totally agree. Um, one of the things I started, I think this year is I, I started doing it on these shows. Um, maybe when we got two thirds, three quarters of the way through the season, um, I always like looking back on drafting season and and asking a, uh, this question I'm going to ask you right now: a player, whether you faded him, whether you targeted him, that you were super correct on, that you totally nailed his evaluation, and another player uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, like maybe you were a big believer in him and he busted. Maybe he was a guy that you didn't want on any of your teams, and he and he ended up uh, crushing it. Um, who was a guy you were right on, and a guy you were wrong on this year, Mike? Yeah, so I mean, a guy that I was right on. So, like I, I mentioned earlier, but one of the, one of the and this is if it wasn't a COVID year, maybe this year could have even like typically I'm the type of person where if I really believe in a guy, you know, I'll I'll try and get him all over the, like as much as possible. As, but this year with, with, with COVID, especially with like quarterbacks, I didn't want to do that. So I, I really tried to diversify amongst a couple guys, but the one I ended up the most shares with was Josh Allen, who I happen to have on the new mm. team. And he was a guy who, you know, I, I felt like was in the right situation this year. I love that they got digs and I just, I, I didn't necessarily think he was going to end up being the QB one overall. But I thought he was a great chance at where he was going in drafts uh, to be like a top five performer. I wanted someone with that upside, and I thought I thought I hit that pretty good. Um, 
And, you know, that helped, that helped a lot, you know, you know, the minefield that quarterback, you know, in that range, you know, obviously when you're picking him, it's like, Oh, should I take Josh Allen, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford? I mean, almost everyone busts except for Josh Allen. So if you land on any of those other guys, you're in a bad situation. So, uh, you know, I feel like I, you know, not, I, I got a little lucky there, but I mean, he was the guy I was trying to get. So, you know, I think I was, he, he would be the one guy I would say I was right on. Was so, there a player? Yeah. A player uh, that you, that you missed on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and this, this one hurts because if there was anyone, I, I was a little bit overweight on, uh, it's definitely this guy. Um, somehow he still made it into my starting lineup here, but Marquise Brown happens to be like, I mean, he totally killed me this year. I mean, I had him on, he was probably my most overweight player, I would say. And I just, it was just, it was in my view, it was just a bad way to look at it, to think that he was going to do what I was expecting him to do. Um, you know, I just thought he was going to break out this year, you know, you know, it was coming off the high of last year with the Ravens and how good they were, but they were just ultra efficient. You know, Lamar was too efficient last year and it's, it's, they're a running team, you know, and they're never going to throw the ball 40 times a game. And, and that, and, and Marquise Brown's not an alpha receiver, you know, he's more Deshaun Jackson than he is, you know, Mike Evans. So that, that was just, you know, me getting a little caught up in uh, what the Ravens were and then, and hoping Lamar was going to keep it up. Um, yeah, I mean, I still did ended up doing okay here with him on the team, but it could have been so much better uh, if I just picked someone else. I mean, any receiver there over him. I mean, I was picking him over Metcalf and and McClure oh, wow. and all those. It was terrible. I mean, I, that was one that I just wish I I wish I had back for sure. Yeah, and, and well, and it's something that um, well, and and the other thing too is, I mean, it, to look at the bright side of this. Um, he's probably going to slip quite a bit in drafts next year. I mean, think about how many people got burned by him and um, people are just, well, I'm not going to draft that guy again. And, and he'll, he might slip and slip and slip and he might become a value this year. Although I think you're right. He might more be more of a best ball type guy yep. than, than a main event or, or a football guys guy where, you know, you never know when the big week is coming. And that's right. just the way that's how Lamar Jackson and, and Marquise Brown are. And that's fine. That's, that's the players they are. Um, we will see them in the NFL playoffs this year. I know you are going to be jumping into, maybe you already, I think you did jump into the the uh, the world-famous FFPC playoff challenge. Uh, Mike, a guy that that you are, are going to make sure uh, is on your roster in, in that, uh, and then a, a player that you're sure that you won't have anywhere. Yeah. You know, th- this is hard. I mean, so, you know, this, this I think the two extra teams this year really make this hard. <laughs> I, I haven't spent a lot of time I, I have signed up for a few teams, but I'm trying to wait as long as possible before I actually sit down and kind of run through this. I, I tried to look at it for like a little bit uh, this morning and there's so many teams like I'm not fixed yet on who who I think w- or the teams are that are going to get to the Super Bowl. And that makes it a little difficult uh, to say who, who am I going to want? I mean, obviously, the easy answer is Kelsey. I mean, he's far and above everyone else, um, but everyone's going to have him. So you have to make the decision on, do you, do you just go with a chalk or do you fade him? Um, I haven't thought about that yet. There's just so many guys. All these teams have like high flying guys, whether you have Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, you know, Josh Allen, you know, all the Tampa guys. Just, I'm not sure yet. I, I, I don't have a clear cut answer on someone who I'm, I want on all my teams. 
in terms of fading, though, this is a tough one. Uh, like I, I definitely, I, I don't want to fade this player. I just have a feeling. I have a feeling they're not going to win. And you know, after what he's done, I feel like I'm going to end up fading Derrick Henry. I think. Mm. Um, I just, you know, he he ran. He's been incredible. I love Derrick Henry. I think he's made me a lot of money over the last few years. Uh, he just ran, for, you know, for 2,000 yards, and he ran for 200 yards against the Ravens in last year's playoffs. I just think that game's going to be different. Um, obviously, if they win, it could be bad, but you know, you have to kind of do something a little bit different. And I, I feel like he might be the guy that I end up fading. That's that would be a little bit of a surprise. I don't know um, about all the the money you won this year in in all your high stakes escapades, um, but we talked about it at the top of the show. You were hoping for top ten in the main event. You got all the way up to fourth, so that twenty thousand was probably a little bit unexpected. Have you earmarked that that unexpected cash for anything uh, that that you won in the main event this year, or maybe you know totaling up a bunch of your winnings? Any special plans for it? Yeah, I mean, of course, anytime I I win something or hit something like that, you know, the first thing I have to do is is buy something for my wife so I can play some more. Oh, so, good for you. Yeah. That is smart. The, you, I could learn so much from you. Like I, I am so far behind you in, in my marriage right now. Like this is, this is, I'm learned, this is the best piece of advice you've given for this yep, whole podcast. And you've given a lot of great advice, Mike, but this is the best piece you're giving. Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's the first thing, you know, got to be able to make sure I have no, you know, if fans or butts when I go to Vegas every year, hopefully, mm -hmm. hopefully this year again. Right. Um, And then, you know, you know, the, this hit was nice. You know, I was able to, I already prepaid and, and got all my 2021 FFPC leagues ready to go. So that's good. Uh, and then whatever's left over, you know, just for saving it for the kids, getting it in their college funds. So you know, not, nothing crazy. You know, we got to hit, we got to win one of the, one of the big ones first before we can do something fun. And then you get crazy, which that's that's, right. that's what that's what you always wanted to find out. And well, you never know. Maybe you win a half million dollars in the playoff challenge, and and we can have you back on, and you could tell me, yeah, I, I bought an island in the South Pacific. It's great, um, uh, Mike. This was awesome. This is it's always so much fun talking with you. Uh, I always learn something new. Tonight, I learned something about how to be a better husband, which is always great for me. Um, I wish you nothing but the uh, best uh, of luck in the uh, playoff challenge, and and good luck with. Uh, with the upcoming drafts in 2021 this summer and, and uh, enjoy the NFL playoffs, man. Thanks for doing the show. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Eric. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the high stakes lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the fantasy football players championship. And thanks to grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotovizcom slash podcast.